0: So good to see everybody today. Again, my name is Steven, and uh, man, I'm really excited to be able to continue in our message series, What's the Point Today? And we're going to do that in just a moment. But before we do, I wanted to take a moment uh, to highlight what your faithfulness and generosity is doing in our community. Uh, recently, Northwood Church partnered with a number of other churches, uh, as well as a number of other organizations. As a matter of fact, we partnered with the Giving Back Foundation, with Hog Addiction Barbecue, with Martin Hart- Hardware with Daddy's Barbecue and with Feed My Sheep. And what we did was we wanted to go to four local counties, Jackson County, Harrison County, Hancock County, and Stone County to serve over 800 LEO, our law enforcement officers and staff at all of those departments. And so we were just so thankful to be able to partner with people who are investing into this community, into our cities all across the coast. Uh, you know, one of the things that excites me most about serving with no strings attached is the fact that we not only get to, to bless people and, and to feed people who are doing such a a hard job in regards to serving our communities, Uh, but we also get to bring them before a God who we believe is bigger than everything that's going on around us in this world, and so we got to pray for them and lift them up. And and if you're an LEO and you're watching right now or you're in this room, we just want to let you know we deeply appreciate you. We are continuing to pray for you. That's not a one-time and uh, move-on type of thing. Uh, We are thankful for your service to our communities. We need you. So can you guys give it up for our LEO right now? Yeah. So I am super excited, as I mentioned, to continue in the What's the Point series. We're actually nearing the end of the series, and what's happening at the end of our What's the Point series, where we're reading out of Ecclesiastes, is uh, the the man who wrote Ecclesiastes, most people believe, is King Solomon, the son of King David. Uh, He's said to be the wisest man in all the world, and King Solomon is at the end of his life, and what it appears to be is that he has written something that is really important, and he was speaking to his son, the next generation. If you will, but also to anyone else that would ever read this writing and really what he's doing. He's letting everybody that reads this know that while I am considered wise, he was considered the wisest man in all the world. He has the wisdom of God. He still made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot of things on his journey in life. And so all throughout this series, he's been giving lessons in his life teaching us some things that we would want to know as he's lived his life and uh, you know I just appreciate how transparent he is with his son and with all of us being vulnerable and say hey this is where I missed it and, and these are some of the things where I feel like it would be beneficial for you if, if you would focus on this rather than doing what I did and uh, so with great transparency he, he's teaching us uh, I think also with great humility he's teaching us and so I'm, I'm excited to explore what he has for us today. Uh, he's going to school us This week, in and around the topic of aging. Aging. How many of you are excited about the idea of aging? Yeah, yeah. A couple of us are like, yeah, I think it's good. I think a lot of us like the idea of getting some of the benefits that come with aging, a better financial position, right? More, maybe flexibility in our lives, maybe a little more wisdom, hopefully. But uh, we don't like some of the other things attached with aging. As a matter of fact, if you, if you look around our world, uh, aging seems to be really difficult for some people. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, really, that's supporting the idea of anti-aging. If you look at the beauty industry, $97 billion In 2020 uh, as an industry. If you look at the gym health and fitness industry, it's a $34 billion industry in 2020. If you look at uh, the global cosmetic surgery industry, by 2025, it's expected to be a $66 billion industry. That's a lot of dough spent on trying not to get old, huh? And so obviously there's this desire to slow life down a little bit. And if you look at the word of God and examine really what what it is that's happening in the heart of man, we can see a couple things that we know to be true. God has placed eternity in the hearts of man Yet we live here in this world that is fading away. And so we have this tension where we desire to experience the fullness of what God has for us in eternity, living in a glorified body where we're no longer aging. We're no longer decaying, right? Wrinkles aren't there, I hope, I think. I mean, you know, I doubt that there's going to be wrinkles in heaven, a glorified body, right? And so, so we're yearning for this glorified body where we're in, in heaven, yet we're stuck and tethered to this, this earth that is, is aging, and dying. And so we look for anything that we can do to supplement this temporal worldly life with things that might feel like we're getting a little bit of the benefit of eternity. You feel me? And that's troublesome. That's troublesome. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 through 12, if you've got your Bible with you, you can crack that thing open maybe on your YouVersion app. We're in uh, chapters 11 and 12 of Ecclesiastes. If you've got a paper Bible and you haven't opened that thing up in a while, man, it's not too far from the middle of the Bible. Just skip past the rest of Psalms, Proverbs, there you are. It's uh, easy to find. And in chapter 11 and 12, we're going to learn that aging is meaningless without Jesus. And all my people who are feeling a little old today are like, amen. Amen. So what I want to do right now is pray that God would imprint on our hearts this fact that aging is meaningless without Jesus. So Father, we thank you that we could gather in your presence. We are So thankful that we can be together as your body of believers, your called out ones. And God, as we we look at your word, God, we pray that it would not only minister to you as we worship you through your word, but also that you would minister to us through your Holy Spirit and truth and grace. Help us, transform us, confront us, show us things that we need to know that you desire for us to, to see about ourselves and about you that will help us look a little more like Christ when we leave here today. We thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so in chapter 11, verse 7, what we're going to learn specifically is that we should enjoy life as God intended. And and I think that's something that we love to talk about, enjoying life. You know, verse 7 says, light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Until it starts to create little wrinkles around here, but that's neither here nor there. You know, we love to see the sun. It's bright. It's refreshing. We get that vitamin D fill; It's a good thing. And he says in verse eight, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. In other words, enjoy life as God intended, but let him remember, let him remember, that's an important word, that the days of darkness will be many. There will be great difficulty and adversity in our lives. And all that comes is vanity or meaningless, it's meaningless. And so we should rejoice. Oh, young man. He's speaking specifically to maybe a younger generation here. Oh, young man in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Don't let the fire die. Right? Yes. Be passionate. Go and Get it. Go after life with all you got. Right? Get it and get it done. But He also says that you should walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, knowing that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. And so each of us, every single person in this room, if you're watching online right now, we are all walking according to our heart and according to the things that we see, the desires that that we see with our eyes, and oftentimes they can become the desires of our flesh. And and really what this is, is this is an encouragement to a generation of people to align your heart with God, to, to... begin to learn who God is and and relate to God in a way to where his heart becomes like, your heart becomes like his, to where you begin to have the desires of God's heart. Because if you walk according to the desires of your heart, a judgment's coming. And so I would rather have the heart of God so when I stand before God and that judgment comes, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've stewarded your life well. And so I think that's something that we should all Lean into, seeking God, that he might make our hearts more like his. And then he gives some wise counsel and he says, remove vexation, which is sorrow. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain. And this word in other translations is sin and evil. And we know pain is a consequence of sin and evil. So put away sorrow, put away sin and evil from your body for youth and the dawn of life what, right, your, your prime, the days of your black hair, right, you, you, you have the days when you have less grays coming out, those days are vanity. So put those other things away, because your youth can be meaningless if you're not focused on the right thing. Now, being young is very exciting. We've got some young people in the room right now. Where are my young people at? Make some noise just a little bit. All right. Yeah, I'm young. I'm making some noise. I I feel I feel I'm like I guess I'm getting in the middle age. So I'm going to call myself young because otherwise I'll start transitioning into that midlife crisis thing. So I'm I'm not ready for that. So I'm going to just put myself in the young category. Young people, it's exciting to be young and there's a lot of life to be lived. Am I right? Absolutely. It's exciting. But misapplied excitement for life can be a barrier to our closeness to God. So if we're not careful, we can go after life with passion and zeal and excitement and miss what God has for us. And it can cause us to focus on passing pleasures instead of focusing on the eternal values that God would desire for us to focus on. So in other words, what he's saying, Solomon, is that we should remove from our life those things that cause sorrow in our heart, that we should flee from sin so that we don't miss what God has for us. Now, sin is a a taboo word, isn't it? In this generation, in our culture, in America, we don't love to talk about sin. We don't like the idea of of being, uh, that we might have a sin nature. But you know, the Bible teaches us that we do have a sin nature. Some people might call it total depravity, others might call it original sin, but we know that in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin did fall on humanity. It's a curse that's lasted until now and will last until Christ comes again. Fortunately, Christ made a way for us to be restored and redeemed from that sin, but it's only in Christ. And so we should flee sin in Christ. And what we learn here is that your youth is meaningless if you fail to remember that you'll give account and lean into what Jesus has for you, right? So we want to remember that we must steward this life well. Now, some encouragement for you, is that you should give your youthful strength because we young people, we have a lot of strength in this season of our lives and we should give our youthful strength to God while we have it. So it's enjoy life, it's live well, but it's also live in a way that your soul flourishes and gives honor and glory to God. Don't waste it on meaningless living. Seek God today, amen? Then Solomon addresses aging from a slightly different perspective, right? We, we love to encourage our youth and, and encourage young people, but I think some, some of the people in the older generation might need some encouragement in their faith as well. Any, any older people need some encouragement in their faith today? Yeah, I know you do. I know you do, because the way that Solomon lays out what living as a little bit older looks like, I, I, <laughs> I would need some encouragement if my life started to look like this. So he's, he's gonna tell us ultimately that we should enjoy God as God intended, Enjoy God as God intended. And he uses that word again. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Man, I hope none of you are in this room feeling that way today. Solomon's offering this somewhat gloomy and a little bit almost depressing view on what life might look like as you get a little older. Uh, very poetic as he talks about the winter of life. And he says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, or in other words, before your eyes dim and you can no longer view the creation that God has created so that you can no longer see the joys of living. Before before that happens, before in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, or before your." breaks <laughs> And the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut, when the sound of the grinding is lower, when the dusk of your life is upon you, and when one rises up at the sound of the bird, because you can't sleep through the night. <laughs> And all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along. Man, he's really painting this pitiful picture of the dragging on of life. And then he says, and and before desire fails, no comment, (laughs) because Man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain and you simply can't hold it in anymore or the wheel is broken at the cistern and there's nothing left to draw from life and before the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it before all of that, remember your creator. Are we remembering our creator? As much as we're supposed to enjoy life, we know that circumstances can rob us of joy and rob us of our focus and our ability to remember our creator. And so what happens is we begin to live a life without God and, and when you live a life without God, it leads to bitterness and loneliness and hopelessness in an old age, especially as you're faced with the brokenness of life. Maybe there's physical brokenness. Maybe there's fatigue after a life that's just really just pounded and pounded and, and eroded away at your confidence. And it can be difficult, I've seen but a life centered on God is fulfilling, it's, it's rich, it's more bearable when faced with disabilities or sicknesses or any of the adversities that life can throw at you. And, and I can speak from some experience. I've had some difficulties in life, but nothing compared to some of the people I've fellowship with in this church and in and other areas. And, and I've watched some pillars of the faith, people who are rooted and anchored in God, faced with some of the greatest difficulties of life. Faced with sickness, faced with terminal illness, faced with impending death, even death itself. And they've walked through it, though with difficulty, still with grace and with confidence, being rooted in the person and work of Christ Jesus. And so I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by walking alongside of a generation that's walking well. And at the end of the day, we are encouraged to remember him because why? Well, he's all we've got. He's all we've got. This world's passing away. All these things that are happening around us, they they matter in the moment, but in the realm of eternity, they matter almost nothing. And so we wanna have a kingdom mindset. Now we have a lot to learn from Solomon, but one thing I love about this text is that it really points to me that we have a lot to learn from one another. The young have a lot to learn from the older. The value of the youthful zeal for life and and for God that young people have. I'm looking at some young people I I know right now that have excitement around life and and God. and, and, And that brings value to the older generations and their experience. But then the older generations bring the value of groundedness and maturity we're gonna talk more about this throughout the rest of this message. And and we're gonna really get to this idea that we find extraordinary value here at Northwood Church in intergenerational ministry, as an intergenerational community with people from all ages of the spectrum. And, And the reason we value it is because we do believe that every single one of you has something to bring to the table. And that's why one of our core values is that we are generational. We're a generational church. That means we are intentionally building and preparing for the success of future generations. Now, that's the way it's written, but there's so much more to be drawn from that because, in order to do that, we believe that there's investment and input that has to come not just from young people, but from people on all places of the age spectrum. We love the generational diversity that we have in this church. I'm looking around the room right now and see ages from the lowest to the highest. And that excites me, that excites us. And we do have some challenges associated with this around like, like being a generational church, right? Because, you know, I've got kids and, and I know my kids look at me a certain way and then I look at my kids a certain way. And, and then also I, I was a... Sp- you know, involved in student ministry for for ten years, uh, five and a half of those being on staff here at Northwood Church, and and just you know investing in, in young people. And I know how I've looked at young people at times, and how young people have looked at me. There's 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 challenges associated with this, and I think a lot of it has to do. Uh, there's a number of reasons, but but really with. Um, Different views on what it means to be life, uh, to live life. Young people scoff at older people, saying, "Man, I don't ever want to grow up to be like that. I don't want to ever dress like that. <laughs> I don't ever want to talk like that, right?" And then, and then maybe some of the older, younger people might say, "As a matter of fact, to prevent from becoming like that, I'm going to get some Botox. I'm going to get some hair dye, right?" And then, and so they they scoff at the older generation, and the younger generation. Uh, the older generation scoffs at the younger generation, saying, hey, man, he's, these young whippersnappers are gonna ruin everything, right? <laughs> and and so there's this gap. But what we want to do is we wanna bridge that generational gap. But this gap exists while for many reasons, we think for one big reason because there's trust issues. And those trust issues that I'm gonna kind of lay out just briefly, it might sound very generalized. It might sound unfair because you're like, hey, that's not me. Don't say that about me. But the reality of it is there's a very generalized view on on the interaction between uh, generations and, and we should look at it. The youth are jaded by a generation of absentee parenting, by the breakdown in the nuclear family because of a lack of commitment and follow through, and humility. There's a breakdown in trust from the youth looking at the previous generation because of some poor decisions that have been made politically and economically. And then a failure to own those things in humility and say, hey, you know what? I take responsibility. We've messed up, but we can move forward. And so there's a breakdown in trust. But then there's also a breakdown in trust from the older to the younger as they look at the youthful indiscretion The wild living, right? A seeming disregard for tradition and maybe even a resistance to wise counsel. You feel like your young people that live with you might be like, man, you don't ever listen to me, right? (laughs) Good for nothing. Just take my word for it. And they're like, well, I'm struggling to trust you. There's been a generation that's gone before that's really made a lot of bad decisions. And so there's this gap. But to build bridges over that generational gap, it starts with honor and valuing one another. And so the older would do well to value the youthfulness of the younger and to humbly remember that touting your experience in life ultimately can lead to closed-mindedness and ineffectiveness in your interaction with the younger generation. And then the younger would do well to actually value the wisdom and experience that the older generation brings, right? Like take the word for it sometimes. And then to humbly remember that your youthfulness may lead you to foolishness. That could happen, it's happened in my life. When we're honest and humble about our own shortcomings and when we value the strengths of others, we can really begin to thrive as a generational community. And so we can learn some very simple things from one another. Uh, We can learn, uh, the older can learn from the younger, uh, again, about technology. You know, isn't that a really good practical thing to learn from from your kids or maybe from the younger generation? Learn learn technology. It's valuable in this generation. You can relearn how to play and have fun and stay active. And for older people, man, that's going to keep you sharp. Plus, it's just fun, right? It's fun to play like a kid sometimes. And I look at my kids and, and, and when I was in the youth and man, I'm always on my toes trying to keep up with the young people. And that keeps me young and spry. One of my favorite things I think the older generation can learn is to really relearn how to view the world with wonder and amazement. You know, I watch my kids, Selah is sitting on the front row right now, and uh, I love watching her discover life and her eyes are big and her mouth is open and she's like, did you see that? For me, I've grown like callous towards the excitement of life. And so I'm reminded of the wonder and awe of what it's like to, to be childlike. And the older generation needs that from the younger, but then the younger can learn from the older too, right? Right, younger? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we can. One thing you'll hear a lot from the older generation is that you shouldn't make things bigger than they really are. But then something else you'll hear from the older generation is that some of the small things that you blow right by are really bigger than you think, and you need to pay attention to them. Some of the small things matter. You shouldn't miss it. Stop and smell the roses. Live with intentionality. Don't let life live you. You live life, right? Make time for your family. Appreciate your spouse. Appreciate your kids. Appreciate the season of life you're in. Don't try to rush out of it too quickly. Why? Because you're going to miss this. But when you're in the middle of it and you're young, you're kind of short-sighted. And so it's kind of hard to believe that, but you need the older reminding you of that. If you think about somebody that was born in 1900, they've got some lessons Uh, would have had some lessons for you to learn as well. You know, If you you look at someone who lived through many, many things like World War I, then the Great Depression, then World War II, then the Korean War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the assassination of a president, the Vietnam War, the Cold War. Maybe they lived even all the way up until Desert Storm and they're seeing bombs dropped over Baghdad and they've lived through all of these things and at the end of it, they they can look back and say this, this too will pass. Young people, we need that reminder from the older generation. This will pass. There's something else on the heels of this. But there's one thing that I think the older and the younger can learn from one another that's most important, aside from some of these practical things. I think it has everything to do with who we are as a body of believers. It's rooted in our faith. The older, I would appreciate if you guys would realize that we do still need you in this faith journey that we are faced with a faith front that is unique, especially for us. There are unique expressions of the enemies tactics that are at work in this world. And we need you to not pull back and let the young bucks take over that conversation and figure out how to navigate it. We need you to learn what the, 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 the dynamics of the conversation are and to take those things, contextualize them through your wisdom and your experience and speak into the situation. We need your help. We need you. But then at the same time, I understand why you might be like, yeah, well, last time I tried, you didn't listen. You weren't interested. And so young people, we need to say, I receive your input. I'm open to your input. I want your input. And this is a picture really of passing off the generational faith baton. You guys have seen a shuttle run before, right? what a shuttle run is. You got somebody that runs one leg of the race. You got somebody waiting. They're going to run the next leg of the race. But that person here has to pass the baton and that, that handoff has to take place. Now, in a race, it happens in microseconds. In life, this race of life, this this timeline is spread out. And so that can't happen quite as quickly as it might happen in a race, but it has to happen. Now, the challenge is, if the person who's holding the baton, getting ready to hand it off, either slows down at the end of their race, so now that that next person who's going to run the next leg of the race can't reach that faith baton to take hold of it, to run with it, that's a problem. Or if you try to pass it off too quick, get it out of my hands, I'm retiring. (laughs) Moving on. We're going to drop the baton of faith. And then if you're the person who's taking the baton, right, if, if, if you say, hey, I'm not ready for that, right, I don't want to receive that, then what does that person who's trying to hand it off do? Well, they're either going to drop it because they were expecting you to grab it, or they're going to have to run a part of the race they weren't scheduled to run, and ultimately that is going to lead to disqualification. But then if you try to grab the baton too quickly, prematurely, you cause that person to stumble, and you yourself will stumble as well, you'll drop the baton, the race is over. We've got to execute this handoff really well. And I believe we see a picture of this in Deuteronomy 32 where, again, we see this word, remember. Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you. Ask your elders and they will explain to you. You see, we have generational responsibilities. The young have to desire input from the previous generation, your parents, your grandparents, your small group leaders, your pastors, and even some other proven leaders in our community that are rooted and grounded in the things that matter, like the biblical faith that we hold fast to. You've got to ask and then when they tell, because you're going to tell, right? You're going to explain older generation, right? Then you're going to receive it. And so now we're living in our responsibilities. And what I see a lot of is, is really cool on one side of the coin and really difficult on the other side of the coin. I see a lot of compartmentalization. So I love our young adult small group. Really, I do. And I love our prime timer ministry. Believe me, I really love that. I love our youth ministry. I love love these things that specifically cater to specific age groups. And we need those things because you gotta be around people who are feeling what you're feeling in life so that you can relate. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we can become so compartmentalized that there's never any meaningful interaction between the generations and we miss out on this. We can't miss out on this. We have, to, we have to receive the baton of faith. We have to hand off the baton of faith. It has to be done well. We can fail at this. We see a picture of failure in Judges chapter two. You ought to go read this when you get home today. I know all of you are going to do that, right? You're going to read at home today, right? Judges chapter 2, we see Joshua leading the Israelites into the promised land. They're, They're in there. They go through many battles. They see God bring victory after victory. And then Joshua is getting ready to send all of the Israelites off to their individual inheritances, right? Their land. And so they go off to their land. And what do they do? They get fat and happy. They get complacent. They forget what it's like to wage spiritual war. And, and so then Joshua and that whole generation, they, they lived for a little while longer and, and Israel served the Lord under their leadership. But then they passed away, that whole generation. And when Joshua and those elders died, another generation arose who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and they served false gods. That's why DA Carson says that one generation believes something, the next assumes it, and the third will forget and deny it. I've been working with youth a while now. I've been monitoring the 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 temperature, the climate of the culture through a a sociological and anthropological lens for for years because I love that stuff. And it's so intriguing how people interact and the dynamics. And, And what we see is that a generation is forgetting and denying the things of God. And if we are not careful as the generation that is going before, we will fail to hand off the faith and we will hand over a generation to the world. I'm not okay with that. Are you okay with that? I don't think we can be. And so what we want to be is a generational church that's clinging to faith, that's living on mission, that's going after it, that's all in. We see an example of this in Acts chapter 2 where Peter is preaching in power, filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And he's preaching out of the uh, ancient prophecy from Joel. And this is what he says. In the last days, God said, he would pour out his spirit on all people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. And so we have this diversity of generations, the young and the old, operating in their giftings, doing what it is that God has uniquely purposed them for in order to build the kingdom of God, in order to expand God's reach and fame in all the earth. They devoted them themselves one unto another. They devoted themselves to God. They devoted themselves to fellowship and the apostles teaching and the, the prayer and the breaking of bread. And they lived wholeheartedly, intergenerationally for God, making a difference in their community. I believe that's part of what we're doing, but I believe we have a lot of room to grow in this. We have a lot of room to grow in this. And so if you're younger, I want to encourage you, have zeal, innovate, Be passionate. Be passionate people, but be passionate around the right things. See, Paul wrote to his son in the faith. He said, Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth. Don't let no one hate you for your youth or, or, or reject you for your youth, right? And, and, and now older people, you know, the reason why he said that is because there were older people that were despising him for his youth. So it's real. And so he says, don't let that happen but he also puts the onus and responsibility on the younger. And this is what he says. But set for the believers an example. Young people, you know you're an example. Our, our generation, we're an example. We're an example in speech, in conduct, love, faith, purity. So, so Paul's saying, be youthful, but be godly. Yeah. Be youthful, but be godly. And we need one another's help in that. The, the younger need the older's help to, to be stirred to love and good works, to be stirred to godliness, right? This matters, but we need to, it's our responsibility to be godly. And then if you're older, man, and you're remaining rooted in your faith, you're rooted in, in, in the mission of God, you're, you're rooted in the local church, offer your wisdom, don't retire from this thing. There's no retirement from the kingdom of God. I'm so, I'm so thankful for Pastor Van handing off the baton of, of faith in, in regards to leadership with, with Pastor Jordan, right? But then saying, but I'm not retiring on a beach. I'm sticking around and I'm gonna serve these guys to help them. And we need that, but we need that more than just from a Pastor Van to a Pastor Jordan and our team. We need that all over this church where there's older guys and gals that are leaning in to the younger generation, putting their hand on the shoulder of this person and saying, I see you. What are your needs? What can I pray for you about right now? How can I support you in this season? And if you'll do that, as you're faithful, the youth may heed the advice that we see in Leviticus chapter 19, where The young are told to stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man or woman. So building uh, bridges over the generational gap, right? It, It comes through honor. Man, when we serve one another, mutual honor and respect is born out of that. And perhaps even the younger will heed the instruction in Proverbs 22, to not move ancient boundary stones that are set up by our ancestors." You know, a lot of people are in an uproar right now around um, just the idea, let's just speak specifically about the church, around the idea of change and progress and innovation in the church. And it seems like a younger generation might be despising or casting off the old things for the new. And while progress is essential, especially in our methods, right, and our model, it's, it's always got, we always have to be, remain grounded and rooted in the boundaries of the message, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we want young people to not try to move those boundaries of the things that Christ laid out, the things that God laid out, then, then. We must honor them. And young people, we can't be chronological snobs thinking that just because you come in a time where there's more access to information and just because you're on the cutting edge and you're, you're the new generation uprising, that's what the world's telling you. Hey, you don't need to listen to the older people. You have everything you need at your fingertips. Let us help you. No, that's, that's, that's snobbery. And there's, there's ancient things that, that God has called the church to hold fast to that you can't let go of. There are boundaries that were set for a reason, around morality, around around what it is that you live for and why you exist and who you are, and people want you to re-identify with some other specific type of group, but what God wants you to do is identify with who He says you are, and so that's a boundary that we're not going to move. The Word of God is not antiquated; it is not obsolete. It is completely relevant. It always has been relevant. It's relevant today and it will always be relevant. And if anything that you're feeding on or thinking is causing you to compromise on the the word of God, that is a boundary that you are allowed to be moved in your heart and your mind. And we need to fight against that. And you would say, hey, Pastor Stephen, you're starting to sound like those old guys. (laughs) Good. Good, there's some wisdom then. If you are concerned that maybe the church is holding on to the past a little too much, holding on to some grounding and boundaries, then you might not be looking at Jesus because Jesus held fast to the past. When we look in Luke chapter 24, we see that Jesus was speaking and he said, these are my words. After he had already gone on the cross and Resurrected again, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, all of that old antiquated stuff, all that old irrelevant. No. All the stuff that Jesus said He Himself was anchored in, all of the law and the prophets must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer. It was written that Christ would suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, the name above every other name, to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem from Gulfport, from Long Beach, from Wiggins, from Ocean Springs, from all over South Mississippi. And you are witnesses of these things. He held fast to the past, to the prophetic truth that he was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and that in him there is wholeness and forgiveness for sin. And there's a future hope and glory. And so here we are, Referring to the past, yet recognizing that the past, Jesus and everything that was prophesied and promised about him is fulfilled in him. And now here he is with us in the present, anchoring us to those historical, eternal truths, yet wanting to bring us into an eternal future with him. That's exciting to me. It's exciting that Jesus transcends all time. It's exciting to me that, that he is a truth that will never grow old. It's exciting to me that his power will never wane or never fail. It's exciting to me that the cross is always going to be the thing that heals and restores and redeems. The, the, the work of Jesus on the cross is the most important thing for us to cling to in this time and this age and so right now I want to give you guys an opportunity if you've never clung to Jesus you've never said I need you Jesus you've never repented for your own sinfulness your own pride your own self-sufficiency and even those areas where you've violated the moral law of God that he, he's wanting to write on our hearts and for all of those things he offers forgiveness and now's a great time for you to receive that forgiveness and put your trust in Christ will you bow your heads with me Father we just come before you right now I thank you so much That your word is enduring Unfailing Eternal Transcends all time Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit To help us learn how to apply your word In this season In this generation God I'm praying right now God, that you are convicting. I believe that you are convicting people in this room of their own sin, their own unrighteousness, and their desperate need for your righteousness and your forgiveness. God, I pray that as you draw them, that you would draw near to them, that they would put their trust in you. Right now, you're sitting in a chair right now, and you feel something in your heart, and you say, man, I think I've been missing it. I think I've been separate from God. I don't know that I've ever put my trust in him. Right now is your chance to say, I trust you, Jesus. You can whisper it under your breath. You could say it out loud. I trust you, Jesus. I trust what you did for me on the cross. I trust that you not only died, but that you were raised to life. And I trust that the same power that rose you from the grave, your Holy Spirit is now living inside of me. And I trust that your spirit has sealed on me that has made me a son or a daughter of the King of Kings, of Jesus, the one whom has no other name in parallel to him. Come on right now, church, just confess that Jesus, there's no one else that is like you. Church, we live in a time where the world would like to convince us to, to focus on other things, to put our trust and our stock in world systems, to invest our hearts and our minds and our souls in a pursuit of things that are perishing. But Jesus wants us to put on the imperishable, to live abundant lives, to live with an eternal kingdom mindset, to make a difference in this world and to give him glory, making him famous as we declare the name of Jesus, the name that has no other name that is comparable. So right now, what I want to do right now with all of these things in mind and in heart. I want to sing again to God. I want to lift praise and worship again to God. And I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to realize that as you sing this, you are making really a prophetic declaration over your own life. Older, make it over your own life. Make it over the lives of the young people in this room and in this church. Young people, declare this over your own life. Declare this over our church. Declare this over your your schools that are about to be in session. Declare this over your families. Let us declare that there is no other name in heaven and on earth by which man can be saved and we rest in the love and power of a mighty God. His name is Jesus. Come on, let's worship the King.
1: Lift up our eyes, see the King.
2: We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for your grace over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, it's been a great morning. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been challenged this morning by the word that Pastor Stephen brought us. And uh, you know that, that prayer he just led us in this morning receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You know, some of you in this room, this may be your first time where you've been challenged with that, where God got a hold of your heart. Maybe you're watching online, and this is the first time that God spoke to you individually and challenged you to accept Jesus as your Savior, and you did that. We celebrate with you this morning. It's a great decision that you've made. Your whole life has been transformed and made new through Jesus. So here's what we want to do. We don't want to just leave you hanging. As a church, we want to come alongside of you. We want to wrap our arms around you, even, just, even if it's just digitally and we want to uh, reach out to you and help you take your next steps so here's how we're going to do that um, we have an online next steps card uh, northwood.church slash next steps just go to that fill out a quick form and what I want to do is personally reach out to you this week um, and and not just if you got saved but also if you're new to Northwood and you haven't reached out to us we want to connect with you and, and, and give you some information about the church how you can be a part of Northwood maybe you have a few questions I want to help you out with that um, by the way I forgot to introduce myself. I'm just not some weird guy who wants to text you in the middle of the week. Um, My name's Tom. I'm the assistant pastor here at the Gulfport campus. So I want to help you out with that. All right. Sound good? Um, So also guys, you know, Pastor Steven highlighted what we did for our law enforcement officers this week. That's due to you guys. We're not, we're not just doing that alone as a staff, you know, through your faithful giving week in and week out, we're able to bless people in our community regionally and throughout the world. So don't forget um, to give online the information's right behind me on the screen. Um, Also a couple of other announcements I got before we send you guys out for the week our next steps class we used to have it every every month once a month over here in our next steps classroom but right now we're doing it online only so the information is right in the screen behind me if you're newer to northwood and you just want to get some more information about how you can get involved what it looks like to be involved at northwood church and also just hear a little bit of, of, of the heart behind our church be sure to check that out it's broken up into three different segments so you don't have to watch it all at once so it's, it's really informational, and it's going to be good, okay? And then also, lastly, two weeks from yesterday, all right? July 25th, Saturday morning, we're going to have our annual serve day and we got a couple great projects planned um for each campus but specifically talking about with the gulfport campus we got two local schools we're be going out to serve and guys we need you to get signed up because here's the deal if you wait to the last minute to sign up it's going to affect our ability to really make plans we got some big plans i actually went out uh, with our missions director rob and visited both sites this week and there's a lot of great things we're going to do to bless these two schools it's three really li- really Three Rivers Elementary right over here and then River Oaks Elementary just a few miles down the road. And guys, we want to bless these schools. So get signed up if you can take a few hours that Saturday morning come out and partner with us. We're going to do this together. More hands makes for light work and we'll be able to do more to bless these schools too. So make sure you get signed up. The information's on the screen behind me. So that's all I got. Before we dismiss though, Pastor Jordan had something he wants to share real quick. So I'll turn it over to him. You guys have a great week.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to take a couple seconds and um, kind of talk about next week. Um, I'm gonna be sharing a message, uh, wrapping up the series, but also uh, I wanted to share my heart about a few things, um, about the way that we teach and kind of my mindset behind some things that, uh, I'll put it to you this way. We live in a very difficult time in in our world. And uh, I think it's... it's, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult almost to teach and preach nowadays more than it's been in the past. Um, you know, whenever you try to talk about things that are maybe culturally happening, uh, things can be taken weird and uh, and your heart can be misconstrued. And so, um, but but even beyond that, um, I want to share about my heart whenever it comes to teaching and preaching and, and some other things that that uh i just really wanted you to know that to be able to uh, be prepared for that and to also uh come ready next week to hear uh you know i I don't know everything i'm gonna say but i know this to be very important and so i just wanted to let you all know that uh so that week you know for, for next week you be be ready and prepared and um and if you can't make it that you make sure that you watch it online you know what i'm saying i know that during this season it's very easy to, um, especially those of you that are watching online right now, it's kind of like, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up next week. I'll catch up next week. And, and you know, we're, we're sharing some things, especially in the last few weeks, we've shared some very important things that I know a lot of people have missed and a lot of people have, uh, you know, just I'll catch up and they never do. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and, and this is one of those weeks that I, I would really, really uh, uh, love to see all of you here or watching online to kind of hear our heart as pastors. Does that sound good? That sound good? All right. So we love y'all so much. Look, y'all have a great week. We'll see you later on. Bye-bye.